Welcome to part two of our Spotlight on Araminta with Alicia McDowell. We will be rejoining the conversation now. So, okay, we, we mentioned that you didn't really set out to just start Araminta. Oh, no. <laughs> so nope. how, how did you end up... <laughs> How did like how did you end up leading an organization like Araminta then like you know all by the grace of God that's for sure um, no it's so funny and it is really funny to like look back now because and you and you know this like I don't think we thought we were starting a nonprofit oh, we had no idea we did no idea um, we probably would have quit way earlier if exactly we thought that and was I think the that's the beauty yeah, of the uh-huh. naivety of first one my age when we did this but also just God not telling you what's coming up because you probably wouldn't have I I know like if I would have known I wouldn't have started I actually said that to Bob Bingham one of our other founders and my pastor he was like if I would have known what it would have taken he goes no he was like you were too stubborn he was like you still would have done it <laughs> but so he and I have a joke that's about funny. that that's but. Funny. That's probably true. Which might be true. He's like, you're too stubborn. You would have thought like, no, no, it's not going to be like that. But, um, but I, yeah, I think like we honestly probably thought we were starting, um, you know, a a ministry that would be, you know, something that we did outside Mm. of our day to day lives. And, um, but when, you know, when the eight of us, which we didn't call the founders back then, we called us the discernment team, which <laughs> right. is truly where the mission came from, was through discerning it from the Lord. When we got together and started hearing from the Lord, it was very clear there that the Lord was answering a huge gap in, mm. through what he was giving to us. And as we kept on that journey um, and we started to really see, like, where are the places that we who didn't even have a name yet <laughs> that that's a whole other story but i think um we started to realize that there was that we were answering a need hmm. and it started to become more apparent that this needed to be um more of a response than what we initially set out set out to do and i think you know we've talked a lot about how the faithfulness of hope springs the hiv Mm. um aids serving organization that started out of several churches in in a similar way that araminta we actually modeled the start of araminta after the way that hope springs did that with serving um people living um with hiv aids and um so yeah i think we just it just kind of took off in the response the, to what we were doing um, from the community, from the the emerging anti-trafficking movement, really made us realize, okay, this actually needs to be a formal nonprofit. Mm. And we recognized, too, that while it was a mobilization of the big C church, that it needed to not be housed at a congregation, mm. so the little C church, that right. it needed to be a response of the body of Christ, not just mm. one church. And so yeah. I think that is really what started to move us towards a nonprofit. But also, it was um, one of the things that kind of emerged for me a couple years into um, Araminta was recognizing that you have law enforcement and social services and government agencies that deal with the legal and justice side of um, serving survivors. And then you have um, God's people, essentially. And oftentimes there's not a way to connect the two. And so Araminta really became the bridge between the two because yeah. we do have you know, people like myself who have a social service background mm. who work for us, um, who can walk in that world and understand the legal and social implications of serving survivors and then translate that to the body of Christ and the way that they're supposed to engage with that. So I really love that we've really been able to be that bridge. And I think that's why we ended up needing to be a, you know, a, um, a nonprofit um, and then as it took off and we recognized that it needed somebody to lead it, um, 
that's I think when I just that was a, a really crazy journey and realizing that it was supposed to be me. <laughs> well, um, I can tell you from perspective of the other founders. I think to us it was obvious that you were the one who was like designated to lead it. I, it's so like I and I think we probably on some level spoke that to you, but I think um, you know I I, I want to hear kind of like how you process that. But I think I think for. For us, it was like, you know, you had the macro picture. You knew all mm-hmm. the players. You knew how these things worked. And, like, I think we had a group of people who had a, a big hearts, but I don't think anybody else had a full picture the way mm-hmm. you did. Um, so, but how did, you know, how did you kind of, like, receive that this was supposed to be the one, that you were supposed to be the one to lead it? With a lot of terror. <laughs> um, but also, just a just a knowing, I think the Lord was just really, really gracious and, mm. and just, um, one, putting people around me to encourage me mm. um, who, you know, um, we're just um just so so encouraging and gracious and kind and called out the gifts that the that they that they saw in me um you know not only with you all the other seven founders but um yeah I was working in medical sales at the time and um doing really well in that and um I'm grateful for that experience because it gave me strategic business planning which yeah. then applied to running a nonprofit right. because you you need money to do that so um <laughs> that really helped with the fundraising and strategic planning for that but um my vice president of sales at the time came into town to work with me and we were going into surgery and he just asked me, he's like, what do you spend your time doing when you're not in surgery essentially? And, <laughs> um, cause I was a surgical sales rep and I was like, well, let me tell you about this thing that my, my friends and I are doing. And I started to tell him about it and his heart just came alive. Mm. And at the end of the day, we didn't talk about our business much. We talked mostly about Araminta, which didn't even have a name at the time. And um, and he, at the end of the day, he looked at me and he said, I, you know, as a vice president of sales, I should not be saying this to you. He Especially because you were a top salesman, which you're not saying, but I will say. <laughs> you were one of the best saleswomen in the comp- company. Oh, thank you. but um, Salesperson. Any gender. You were better okay. than male. No, I'm, I'm good with being called a woman. So, um, but I... Um, he said he was like, you need to do this. Yeah. And he was like, and the skills that you've gained in your medical sales career mm. will carry you into this. And he was like, a nonprofit needs to be run from also a business perspective as well. And mm. so he, um, I think God really used him to release me. And then he actually used him he to um, connect us, which was just an amazing story, to, to connect Araminta, once we had a name, to his son's branding company That's in right. New York City, which did our entire branding. And 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 um, Terry, the vice president of sales, was really really adamant of like make, making sure that we did this from a high level caliber of excellence and making sure that we had the resources to do that. So he really changed my life. And now that I'm actually um, looking at what's next for me, I've been talking with him and he's wow. been so encouraging. And so, so God used a lot of different people to just really kind of catalyze me forward and in, in saying like, you can do this. Um, but then also just um, the day that I, actually quit my medical sales career uh, felt like I jumped off a cliff but oh um, and yeah. I, and um, but you know I just being able to look back and see the way that God God has provided and now that I'm on the other side of that of looking at what's next knowing that he'll do the same yeah. and um, yeah and what many people don't know um, is 
I mean, and I'm going to brag about you for a second. Like you, you took a financial cut <laughs> to go be an executive director of a nonprofit. I mean, you really took a huge financial leap to kind of leave a career that you were really good at and that you, you know, got paid well to do because you were really good at it. And like, and to step into a field that was, we hope we can pay you for five months from now, but like, you know, right? like, uh, you know, right? there's a lot of risk to that. And I don't think people realize that there, there is that feeling of jumping off a cliff. We were going into a huge unknown um, and I mean, kudos to you because you really, you did it. <laughs> well, thank you. And I, I couldn't have done it without community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember, uh, it was, I had just very, just, it's just been really cool to process and think back on the ways that God showed up and used people in my life to do that. Um, Kristen, one of our other founders has just become, um, I, I don't even know how to describe our friendship because she <laughs> just has sustained me in so many ways. Um, and just uh, been so incredibly faithful. And, uh, you know, not that I compare myself to Moses, but I do compare her to Aaron because she's just been so faithful to mm. me in the same way that, you know, people don't realize that Araminta exists because of her, because mm. of the way that she stood behind me Absolutely. through so many things. But so that day she called me and um, she was, I- I'm guessing you probably need need to be with somebody. And uh, so she actually took me out that night. Oh. And um, and I and I said to her, I felt like I, I jumped off a cliff. And she goes, well, you know, you know, God's not going to let you land on the rocks below. Uh-huh. And um, and then, uh, you know, years later, when I um, made the decision and then I knew God was calling me out of Araminta and when the, the day that I resigned to the to the board mm. um, she did the exact same thing <laughs> and um, and so she, and we, we talked about how you know then I didn't know how God would provide and he did and now yeah. I can I can walk that road of faith from a perspective of remembering mm. how he's provided for me and so um, it was pretty ironic that the next week after I quit my job I got a call from a recruiter for a job that was like three times what I was making even in medical sales <laughs> I had to hang up on the person to not be not be tempted by this worldly perspective. But I think that's now looking back on that is, uh, you know, I can I can honestly say living the truth of that worldly riches do not not Hmm. cannot pale in comparison to what the Lord's given me and taught me over the last couple of years, even through very painful situations. Hmm. I love the little nuggets of your deep friendships too. I think someday we'll have to do a podcast on like friendship because I think gosh, we both yeah. were single till later and like, uh, uh-huh. and I, I think our culture is starving for like, what, what, do I, how do I have true friendships when I'm not married <laughs> or like when I don't have yeah. that partner? But you, yeah, it's I, a big part of your journey. Oh my gosh. I, you know, a uh, mutual friend of ours, uh, Luke um, was just encouraging me. He actually is an intercessor for our board of directors. And so I was asking him to pray for some things for me as I make this next step into the next season of life. And he just looked at me and he goes, Alicia, he was like, do you know, you have a unusually high number of people (laughs) that are deeply for you Mm. and that are like, you're like, he was like, you have so many incredibly deep, close friends. And he was like, not everyone has that. And it is so true. It, honestly, I think, um, it is the, one of the greatest gifts that the Lord has given me to sustain mm. me through this. Yeah. And even though, um, I did this unmarried without that person at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, beside me, I have had so many people who have showed up when I needed them. I, mm. you know, um, I'll go back to Kristen. I remember, one time I just hit one of the hardest, actually it was the hardest part of my journey with Araminta and I 
picked up the phone and I called her and I was sobbing and I hmm. couldn't say anything except for I need you. Hmm. I don't even know what she had that night. Yeah. I don't know what she was supposed to be doing. But 10 minutes later, she was at my house. Wow. And and she just knew that I needed her. And then she literally stayed up almost all night with me. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Um, and, and so... I mean, I have so many people who, who just did that and sustained me. So, yes, we need to do a whole other podcast <laughs> on what it means to have deep friendships. Yeah. Well, so this is good because I think, you know, most people would have no idea. Like, I imagine that most people who think, what would an executive director of Airmenta do, probably don't have a picture, actually, of what you actually did on a day-to-day basis. Like, tell me a little bit, like, what, is your, what did your day-to-day look like? Yeah, it was so different every day and every <laughs> year. And I think um, part of that is is – being a growing nonprofit, it started and yeah. I was the only employee That's right. and, um, and then, you know, slowly growing the staff. Um, as I, as I walked away, we have nine positions and are about to add a, add a 10th one. And, wow. um, and so, um, my role looked vastly different throughout the years and mm. from day to day, but I think, um, it looked anything from, uh, what I call programming, which is our mission of, you know, awaken, equip, and mobilizing the church or prevention and intervention education or direct survivor services. It looked like engaging in any of that. And it also looked like running the behind the scenes operation of maintaining IRS regulations for the finances and working with accountants and then fundraising. And um, so it literally stretches the gamut of what it takes to run a nonprofit, um, working with the board of directors. And, you know, um, so I can't answer that question because every day was literally different. And um, and so and it it. For my personality, that works because I don't like monotony, and I need I need change and um, and challenges. And so it was for me, it really worked to be able to for me to grow as an executive director to grow with the organization. Because hmm. um, I, I didn't know how to be an executive director. I'd never been an executive director before. And one of our another one of our mutual friends, Josh Glazer, who is an executive director of an organization. Um, I walked into his office one day and I, I just looked at him and I go, Josh, when are they going to wake up and realize they made a mistake and that nobody <laughs> should have made me executive director? And I go, because I have no idea what I'm doing. And he gently laughed and in his incredible wisdom, and he was like, but that's exactly where you're supposed mm. to be. And he was like, because that'll keep you at the foot of the cross because you mm. can't do this. Like, the Lord needs to do it through you. Yeah. And I've remembered that every single day. Wow. And um. And I'm so grateful for his wisdom and speaking into my life because people think like, you know, yes, the Lord gave me great skills and Mm. created me, um, you know, to, you know, be able to learn what it takes to run a nonprofit. But at the end of the day, it wasn't me. It was the Lord working through me in figuring, learning and figuring things out day by day by day. So. Mm. That's awesome. Our listeners will get to hear from Josh Glazer next month, actually. So that's pretty So exciting. great. You're in for it with him. He's great. Um, what was, I mean, this is a loaded question, I think, but uh, what was hard about the job for you? <laughs> what wasn't is, is an easier way to answer it. Um, I, there were, I mean, there were, it was a beautiful journey, but it was excruciatingly hard. <laughs> um, and that's the really mm. honest answer. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, in my, um, I'm so glad I I didn't walk away before it was time, but because there were so many times that I wanted to give up Mm. because it was so hard. I think um, first and foremost, just what we face in human trafficking comes with so much trauma. And Mm. so um, I was always exposed to incredibly 
um, traumatic stories mm. of what had happened to people at the hands of other people. Yeah. And um, so, so bearing that was yeah. um, very difficult, obviously. A heavy, um, a heavy burden to carry. And, but then also on top of that, the weight of knowing that um, building an organization that then was responsible for caring for those yeah. people and their stories. And so wow. um, the best choice I ever made was to enter into therapy at the mm. beginning of this because I um, realized and um, that um, I, again, speaking with Josh and his wife, Jamie, Jamie, who ended up being my therapist and um, really early on, I went to them because they run a nonprofit. And I said to them, I was like, I feel like what I'm about to enter into um, is going to come after me too. Yeah. And it's going to come after hard parts of my story. Mm. And they were very honest and said, you're exactly right. Yeah. And how are you preparing yourself for that? And so Jamie, um, who is a counselor, just so again, one of those people who have been so faithful to me um, over the last years, she, she came back to me after that conversation and said, I really feel like God's calling me to be in this with you. And wow. what, what will that look like? Do you want it to be just as a friend? Or she yeah. was like, have you considered counseling? And so through discernment together, we determined it needed to be a formal counseling relationship. Mm. And I literally saw her from the time we founded Araminta and still do. And um, it's been, it's been incredible. And so I think having a place where I could, um, because when you're encountered with those, those hard stories, you know, there are oftentimes the, the staff would come back. I remember one time when a, a trafficker um, showed up in court and actually um, won custody of oh, a child gosh. of a survivor and, and the staff coming back and really them having to process it. And as the leader, you don't get the luxury of breaking down in those moments. Like you mm. have to be the one to figure out, okay, how are we going to move forward? And right. you don't get to have the like extreme emotional responses to those. You can obviously show emotion and, and have compassion and care, but you, you've got to figure out, we can't get stuck in this crisis. Right. We've got to move forward. And um, so having a place in, in counseling to be able to process that trauma and to be able to feel the full emotion hmm. of it was really important for me. Um, yeah. So obviously that, and then the weight of just building an organization at the end of the day was responsible for people's lives and, and doing that well. Hmm. Um, the weight of that, I don't think people, I didn't really fully realize the weight of it until I took a sabbatical from it and I wasn't carrying it. And then it, then you realize how uh -huh. heavy it is. And also uh -huh. now that I'm stepping away. Um, but um, I also really didn't come from a church um, background that talked a lot about spiritual warfare, but now I fully understand it. <laughs> it's um, And spiritual warfare comes in ways that you would never expect. Mm. Like when we first started this, we were really careful about fi my like physical safety of yeah. our traffickers going to come after me. And I'd never once had been threatened by anybody in the last eight years. Mm. And But what was threatened was my personal identity, mm. um, my understanding of myself, like very mm. um, personal parts of my story that were hard were used and brought up against me. And so I think that, um, you cannot, and I've actually said this to, um, the board and staff that are carrying on is you cannot underestimate what, um, the enemy will use mm -hmm. to try and stop you and, um, and, and how that will come. And yeah. so, um, it's something that I don't claim to understand and I don't want to over dramatize it and I don't want to underestimate it, yeah. but it's real. And, uh, I think you and I, you and yeah. I had seen that on a trip Absolutely. we had taken to another residential center and visiting that and seeing just mm -hmm. how far the darkness can, can yeah. go. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned counseling. What are some other ways that you kind of kept your sanity during, like, you know, like. <laughs> that's, that's debatable. That actually did keep my sanity. Um, but, um, you know, I would say there were seasons when I did that well. And, yeah. but overall, I feel like it's a lesson that I, I learned through not doing it well. Mm. Um, I am a very driven person. Um, that's what, you know, yeah. people would say stubborn. So whenever somebody says you can't do something, I figure out a way to do it. That's like when um, people call me, I, I prefer passionate to intense. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Driven is better than stubborn, yeah. Right, but I would say that um, that that drive drove me to live beyond healthy boundaries uh-huh. and, and limitations of, of work-life balance. And so um, it's something that over the last couple of years, I've really tried to course correct. I think that yeah. my drive, my... Um, I think one of the healthy things that we value at Aramita is doing things with excellence. And at times um, that drive to do things with excellence would drive us beyond Mm. what was appropriate and healthy for our own um, taking care of ourselves. And so, um, you know, people talk a lot about self-care. I feel Mm -hmm. like that has become a little bit too much of a buzzword because it's not understood. Um, When at the end of the day, when you are working beyond your own limitations and boundaries, it's an indication that you're not trusting the Lord Mm -hmm. to do his part. And so I would say that oftentimes that was what I struggled with the most was feeling like if I stop, these things won't happen and not really trusting the Lord to carry that. And so, um, so I would say I really, um, didn't wake up to that until the last couple years. And now I think what I've really tried to do specifically in this last year with the staff is help them learn to say no and recognize what is driving uh, this desire to say yes, when it's going to push me beyond my boundaries. Is it an external factor or is it something internally in me that is putting this deadline? And, and so, um, I wish I, that's one thing I wish I would have had more time with them because I feel like I bear responsibility for creating that pace and that intensity. Um, but know that God's grace will cover that for them. And so, so I would say in the last couple of years, um, I've tried to have fun again. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted you to talk about your ski ball league because I think oh it's the gosh, most hilarious yes. thing in the world that you I play. I forgot <laughs> about ski ball league. That was one thing I did. I forgot about ski ball league. Yes. My friends and I joined a ski ball league and it was so fun. And I can't, I just can't picture you playing ski ball. I'd love to. I would, was, I would, I would have come oh, to cheer fun. on I'm your super team. competitive I, at oh, it too. I believe that. Um, and, yeah, so my friends and I joined a ski ball league, and that was really fun. We actually were citywide champions. That's amazing. It was great, and um, but I think like doing things like that, and I actually was I was really challenged by doing that in that season because. Um, we often had a lot of nights you had to and say weekends. No to things on that night. Yeah, yeah, and so I would have to say no to really important meetings. Because <laughs> you're but, playing skee-ball. Because I was playing skee-ball. But, <laughs> but the, that's but, so important. It is. Yeah. It is. It's so important. And mm-hmm. I think people forget that. And mm-hmm. I think we're when you're driven by a mission that is so crucial, yeah. it's easy to let that override everything. And I would say, right. you know, um, so I think um, – I'll have a lot to process with that as I step away. And um, what have I learned from that that I would want other leaders to understand? Mm. What did you find most enjoyable as a leader? Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, the most enjoyable would be seeing joy and delight on the survivors' faces. Mm. And um, we had a – we at our Christmas party this past year, it was – 
so fun. Our survivor services program manager did an incredible job just making it such a fun environment and the just laughter and joy and silliness and getting them to getting to see them be innocent again um, oh, was huge. so fun. And so those moments of getting to see that were, were something I really enjoyed. Um, I really loved seeing people's faces light up as our volunteers or in whatever role they were playing when they realized like that they were fully alive in their giftedness to stand against trafficking. Um, you know, even one of our board members, I remember one time secured a large donation for us and he's a businessman and he, he called me and he was like, I've never felt this way. He was like, I've gotten multi-million dollar deals and I've never felt as good as I feel right now. And, um, and I was like, yeah, because God is using your giftedness to Hmm. provide for, survivors like that's why you feel this way and so um i just took great delight in Mm. watching people connect the dots and and realizing this is how god made me and i and i can make a huge difference in acts of justice with that so that was really fun and then um i think a lot of people also would expect that the atmosphere of the organization or our office would be really like heavy and it's not like i mean we are laughing constantly and i think like one, you, there are times when, when ironic or funny things happen that you just have to laugh at that other people wouldn't understand. Right. Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> um, so that's that's great. But I also think we just really, um, I think because we enjoy one another, mm. it makes it, it, it made it so much fun. And, um, and, and so one time uh, we have a, our office is too small right now for the the number of staff we have and there are three people in one room and they were just laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing and I and I walked into their office and they were like oh you're here to tell us to stop and I'm like I will never <laughs> tell staff to stop laughing right. because we need to keep we need mm, to keep that absolutely so. that's mm-hmm. huge as you look back at your time with Airmenta what are some things that you're most proud of yeah you know people have been asking me this and it's so hard to like it's so hard to put a finger on just a few things, but I think kind of the overall theme um, of what I'm most proud of is that people just continued to show up and that I continued to show up even when hmm. it was really hard. Yeah. And so yeah. I think the board asked me, what do you feel like the legacy that you're leaving? And sometimes as a founder, it's hard to go. Like, I, I don't know how to define that, you <laughs> right, know, yeah. um, when you have eight years of stories. Um, <laughs> but I said to them, I was like, th- I think that I'm most proud of not just for myself, but for others, the, um, obedience and perseverance and faithfulness in the face of such evil and hardship. Hmm. Um, and that when you, when you choose that, you get to see God work in incredible ways and the fruit of that. And so I think that's, I would say that's what I'm most proud of. And I think I'm just most proud of the the moments that nobody else will see Um, because like we talked about before, the way we don't advertise that um, there are so many moments that I hold close that I got to witness that nobody else will see. And it's not about other people knowing those and, and, Mm. um, and, and wanting, um, you know, accolades publicly. It's those intimate moments of, changing somebody's life that yeah. that I will hold and be most proud of because nobody else does know about them and it's just between us and the Lord and right. you know that's awesome Lish that's awesome yeah um, what is your hope for the organization's future as you step outside and kind of think about them toddling off without you <laughs> like, what's your hope they're, they're not your toddling hope? they're striding yeah, no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're doing they're great they're amazing yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it is just, funny it does feel like a like child a, yeah. a little bit <laughs> yeah. yes I get it <laughs> Sending my kid off to yeah. college. Um, 
<laughs> you know, I, um, I, there are so many hopes that I have, you know, one of the things that I think, um, I've processed a lot with the staff is, um, I'm, you know, people have, said I'm a visionary and I believe that God has, has gifted me to hear his visions. And, um, and so there's so many things that I had hoped that I would see in my time as executive director, um, that we still haven't yet. And I think that, um, that's a whole other process of processing that as your leadership, which we can talk about, but (laughs) I do hope for that, for those things in the future that we see, um, the organization grow, Hmm. not, not for its own accolades, but for its ability to serve, Hmm. um, more survivors or in more intense ways. I think that housing has always been an issue. We've faced so many ups and downs and stops and starts with that. And so we still haven't quite gotten to that. That Mm. was something, you know, having a home was something from the beginning that we felt really called to. And I went through many, many really hard times with that and it still hasn't come to fruition, but I just trust the Lord as I walk away that that's in his timing and Mm. his provision. If he should choose that, and then he might choose housing another way. I do believe right. creating home and creating family is something that the organization is called to. So I look forward to seeing how God will answer that, even if it's not in a residential home. He's answered it in a lot of ways with our community-based services, but I think there's ways for that to grow. Um, and so I also, I just, I look forward to that continued legacy of faithfulness. Mm. Um, I think that one of the reasons that I think it's important for founders to let go and step away at, at, at the appropriate time is because um, there's a worldly perspective where people identify personalities too much with the work of God. And so yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the broader community to get to see Araminta not through the lens of me and mm. through the lens of what the mission truly is, which yeah. is an awaken, equipping and mobilizing of the church. I think there are so many people within the church that get that, but I would say out in the broader community, um, you know, within our task force and things like that, people will say, well, how is the organization going to continue without you? Right. And that's where I think the organization gets to be a testimony about mm. this was never about Alicia hmm. or the other seven founders. Right. This was about God's mission. And so I'm excited to, to watch hmm. that faithfulness and, and that message spread at, as I step away in this next season. That's great, Lish. All right. One last question for you personally. What might be next for you? <laughs> that is still a, still a, an evolving story. If, if you're looking to hire Alicia, <laughs> we won't give out her personal contact info, but you can contact the website. We'll put yeah. you in touch. So, um, so you know, I think um, the process of a of a leader and a founder leaving is just such a it's such a it can be such a beautiful process, and I'm really grateful that God has given me a healthy transition story and a healthy leaving story. Um, and part of that was Him saying to me, "I'm going to ask you to step back without telling you what's next." Mm. And so I I don't exactly know what's next right. in job or um but I know what I want in this next mm-hmm. season for myself personally and and then what I want in the future um so part of what I want is to take space to to process and to yeah. heal Good. and to um reflect on mm. what I've done over the last 8 years yeah. in learning what it means to be a leader mm. um and so um I will job wise, I'm actually pursuing going back to medical sales because one, I really enjoyed that and really, really love that. And so, um, I think I was 
it's been a process of processing that because I think that's not people's expectations. A lot of people are saying, what's next? It's got to be bigger and better. Like you're <laughs> right, going you to lead run some, some huge right. other nonprofit. And, <laughs> and that's not. And I think we're oftentimes, and I think processing mm. our identity yeah. is an important piece of that for leaders of that. Our identity isn't in what we do. It's in who the Lord says we are. And so I'm really excited mm. to continue that process with the Lord. Um, and, you know, I was... Uh, God's been really gracious in bringing things to me with that and that he's brought me several sermons lately about Jesus's first 30 years Mm. where he was in obscurity and nobody knew him um, and the verses about how he grew in character and wisdom in obscurity and then um, you know God says as he's being released into ministry this is my son with whom I'm well pleased and he he said that he loved him hmm. without ever having done he any hadn't done his ministry. ministry. That's amazing. And That's so a I great think, insight. Yeah. And so I think for me, it's this process of so many people have looked at me and said like, oh, well, your relationship with the Lord has got to be so much more intense and better than mine because you stepped out in ministry. And I'm like, that's not necessarily true. Um, The Lord meets us in each of our individual callings and assignments because he's speaking to who Mm. our identity is. And so I'm excited about that process for me personally. And then I think, um, a lot of people have asked me, I've been, you know, a, a couple of people have talked about me being on boards of directors mm. or con- I've actually received a couple consulting requests mm. because I do eventually want to do something like that with what I've learned. I just don't know what that looks like yet. But yeah. I do know that that eventually the Lord is going to utilize that to help other emerging nonprofits, but mm. specifically women in leadership. I think I've faced awesome. a lot of um, hardship specifically because of both my gender and my age when I started mm. the organization. And so I've learned so much that I'm really excited about figuring out a way to first process that and then pour that out to mm. other women leaders and help them who are being called forth. And so, um, I will probably spend, I, you know, the next, um, year or so not serving and simply processing um people have said well you need to write a book but i don't i don't feel called (laughs) to that but i've thought about different ways that i could write to be able to give that to other women leaders in the future so um this next season will be spent making space for that that's awesome i i love that you mentioned in the same conversation you talked about how something has been so good and yet you need to heal i think we like to think things are either bad and we need healing or they're good and they're all good mm-hmm. <laughs> but like for something to be good and it still hurts and it mm-hmm. still tears at things of us and we still have to need healing for that i think that's more the reality they're not mutually exclusive to say you know and so that's that's a huge thing to yeah. be able to to own not at all it's it's like it's just so it's something that i really processed a lot this summer when i was on sabbatical um in the in the previous year i had just faced a couple just extreme losses in mm. 2017 and um i i when I started to realize that I was experiencing one loss after another and those looking different ways, both physical death, um, death of dreams, death of opportunities for Araminta, um, I I said to somebody, I said, I think the Lord is teaching me what it means to grieve again mm. because I had had not I had steeled myself to so much trauma that yeah. I didn't know how to grieve. And so he wow. was teaching me what that meant. And so I spent a lot of time in 2018 processing all of the grief that I experienced in 2017 and one specifically being witness the un- witnessing the untimely death of somebody while I was on vacation. And, um, as I, as I processed that at a year, the year anniversary of his death, really what the Lord brought to me is 
that we aren't called to understand his sovereignty and reconciling that, but there is both beauty and pain that can Mm. exist in the same space. Um, And as I processed his death and all the beauty that I had seen as a result of his death, it didn't negate the fact that his death was never supposed to have Mm. happened, that Mm. the Lord did not create, God did not create this world for death, Mm. but yet at the same time he was sovereign and bringing beauty from that. And so I think that as I leave Araminta, I'm, I'm continuing to process like, how do we hold that? Because I think in our American culture, we need to, we need to justify everything. We need to make everything right. And we, and we also have to be able to point to the why of everything. Mm. And the verse that I would say is my life verse is saying, now we know in part, but then we'll know in full. Mm. And so how do we hold the, what we know in part now, Mm. um, and in the beauty and the tension of both both pain and restoration that exist in the same place and look forward and hope to the day that we will know in full and we yeah. will understand what God has. And so um, I think Araminta has taught me to do that a little bit more is to just mm-hmm. simply hold it because you can't justify why child trafficking exists in this right. world. There is no answer for that. And so, but how do we walk in God's goodness as we also hold that pain and don't try and dismiss it? Because people will say, well, he, you know, time heals everything. And I'm like, on this side of heaven, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, tra- someone who experiences child trafficking will never be able to say that that pain is entirely gone, no matter how long they how long they live, um, but they will on the other side. So, how do we walk with them in that? That's so powerful. Um, this has been awesome. It's I, been I fun. loved having you on, and I would love to have you on for a myriad of other topics because you're a wealth of knowledge. And um, I'm sure we'll have you back and oh, maybe tell the story of the origin of Hori- of Araminta a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but for, we, we didn't talk much about what Araminta does. So let me just say, if you want to learn more about it, check out AramintaFreedom.org. Um, incredible organization that we are so proud at Horizon that we are one of the founding churches, and we're so proud to continue to walk in that. And mm-hmm. Alicia, we're so proud, so proud of the work that you've done and how you've yeah. carried that mantle so faithfully in a very hard space. And I'm just honored to know you and to have walked with you for part of that. Mm-hmm. And so really excited about that. Well, thank you, Ryan. I'm so grateful to Horizon for walking with us mm-hmm. and believing in just stepping out, taking that first step as being one of the founding churches. And I'm grateful to you for being one of my co-founders <laughs> and my friend through these years. And yeah. it's been really fun to, on my first day of my new season, process it with you. And first day of retirement. <laughs> exactly. So thanks for letting me have that opportunity. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Horizon Church, you can check out our website at horizontowson.com. We are a community where you will be loved and have an opportunity to be loved. Thanks for joining us on the Horizon.